Welcome to The Spin Cycle. I'm Maggie Sarachek. And I'm Abby Greenberg. And together we are the Anxiety Sisters. Anxiety Sisters, and welcome to our show. You are going to absolutely love today's guest. She's smart, she's funny, she's kind, and she's also an Anxiety Sister. So here's her story. In early 2016, Akia Red was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and depression. After hiding her condition out of fear and shame, Akia quickly realized it was only getting worse, affecting her physically to the point of a nervous breakdown. It wasn't until she acknowledged the situation with her loved ones, seeking out treatment from her therapist and doctor, that things started to get better. As a form of self-expression and healing, Akia created her own blog, sharing her feelings about mental health and authenticity. The flow of support she received from the community compelled her to create Real Girls Fart, a space to empower and equip women with the necessary tools to use their voices and become their best most authentic selves. Now, Akia is a mental health advocate. In fact, she's the official spokesperson for the Nationwide Children's Hospital's National Mental Health Awareness Campaign called On Our Sleeves. She is also a writer, a public speaker, and a real girl by her own definition. She is fearless, authentic, a rescuer, and a trailblazer. And she's our new BFF. She is our BFF, yeah. <laughs> Please help us welcome Akia Red. Thank you, ladies. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. We are new BFFs. We're yes. so glad to have mm-hmm. you with us. We are. We are. So we just wanted to start by talking a little bit about your past with anxiety. Mm-hmm. We know your struggles began when you were very young. Yeah. But like us, you didn't know it was anxiety at that time. Like what no. kid does usually, exactly. right? right exactly. um, it's a bad stomach. It's just a bad stomach. Yeah, yeah exactly. or just these feelings that you think you're having and no one else is. But can you share a little bit about your journey with us? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was, uh, between the ages of one and five, I remember my parents were separated a lot. So I had a very unstable upbringing, um, mm-hmm. jumping from my grandparents' house to my mom and dad's house. So I think right then and there, like I felt like I needed to somehow control my environment mm-hmm. and started to fear being out of control. Mm-hmm. So I developed around four or five years old, really bad um, digestive issues. I would go to the doctor and that was when I started, you know, just having problems going to the bathroom. And so we would treat that. No one Mm -hmm. actually knew that Mm -hmm. it was because of all of the up and down and feeling out of control. So we fast forward to high school, um, early high school, I was about 15 years old, and I had uh, my first little heartbreak from a boy that I liked. (laughs) We've all been there. Yes. And so... I got so upset after that situation and I started crying to where my nose started bleeding. Oh, wow. Yeah. So blood pressure, you know, from what I was told, it got so high. And so I think now looking back, that was probably my first anxiety attack. And the digestive issues continued, like from that point as a young child until all the way up until now, really. Parents, pay attention when your kids are having... (laughs) 
chronic bad stomachs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that, because it is like they do say that like the serotonin is yes. like, it's what is it, 70 to 77 yeah. percent of the serotonin is in our gut. Uh-huh. And obviously we didn't know that then. But I'll even jump in to say here, the little middle part in middle school, we all know is like very, very tough for all very of us. Very stressful. I've never met one person who says, oh my God, middle school was the best. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. just I said nobody ever. No <laughs> one ever. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was 12 years old, actually, um, that was my first introduction to um, restrictive eating oh, we've boy. talked about, which is another mental health concern all in an all yeah, on its we're own. We're not familiar with that, are we? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know anything about yeah. eating issues. Oh my gosh. So just really bad, like, you know, challenges with food and just all of that stuff. So you sound like many of our anxiety yeah, sisters, including yeah. us. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, like a typical anxiety sister. And when you're young, like you said, especially before this current period, things were not recognized. Oh, yeah. We don't as, talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or they just never thought about yeah, no. uh, mental health. And, and, and yeah. even now, it's still split. It's yes. Yes. mental health and physical health. Right. Yeah. Right. We're, and all three of us are working toward right. where mental health and physical health are, are it's a holistic plan. Exactly. Yeah. You know, in our first introductory conversation, we had talked about different cultures of people. Yes. Kind of contribute to the split We're, a yes. little bit. And you know, for me as an African American, we don't typically like to talk about those types of things. And then also coming from like a religious community, right? That is another kind of a situation where we want to pray it away, and you know, all of those types of things. So that's been an interesting journey for me, just kind of navigating through being an African American woman and also from the religious community. You have a triple whammy because oh yeah, there's the stigma of mental health that just exists right in the world. Right, and there's the stigma of mental health in the Christian community. Yes, and then there's the stigma of mental health in the African American community. Yes, so you have a triple whammy. I right, do. and and that's why your advocacy work is so important. So important, yeah, because valuable, yeah. You are bringing awareness and just you're bringing difficult conversations sometimes to communities that traditionally have not always had them. Right. And honestly, I think from the African-American community, I actually am one of the beacons of hope. So I've been met with a lot of acceptance. I'm trying to kind of get out there a little bit more talking to um, that particular group of people. And and the thing is that the African-American community is disproportionately affected by mental health issues. 100%. So it's so important that... Which is a whole other podcast. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, that's a whole... I mean, because there are so many reasons beyond our control that, you know, kind of lead to that. I mean, you've got way back when, before a lot of us even existed, the whole slavery trauma thing. And what we know now about epigenetics. 100%. And and, and imagine imagine hundreds of years of trauma. Yes. That's kind of been placed on you. There's still so much disenfranchisement for the African-American. That is well. It's really I mean, I I even imagine just being an African-American mother with a son. I know Mm -hmm. you have a son yeah and yeah. you know all the stresses and the conversations that, that you have yes. to have with them on top of just life conversations in, t- in on top of just being a mother being hard enough right now right and then there's right. the access issue too yes mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. disproportionately poor for right. exactly. american suffer not only finding care but then having people that feel like they understand culturally 100 Percent. And I I always say, and I mean, I'm sure I'll probably repeat it throughout this podcast, but you know, 
People want to be seen. They want to be heard. They don't want to be fixed. Exactly. exactly. Which is why. That's a beautiful well, saying. that line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which is why I think we've all connected so much is because we're not sitting here trying to fix each other. We're right. just seeing and hearing each other. I'm posting that meme. Go thing. right I'm ahead. I'm going to credit you with it. And Go I'm ahead. Like, a cute cartoon on it and it's going on. Yeah, up. no, that's completely fine. So I think the overall complaint that I hear from a lot of African-American anxiety sisters yes. is that they don't feel seen. They don't feel heard. They feel like, okay, I'm going to fix you. Because when you say that you're going to fix something, there's an indication that something is broken. Right. right. And we're all broken. And we are. A hundred percent. People who even don't identify with being an anxiety sister. Well, yeah. that's why we came up with the anxiety sisters. Right. We wanted to be inclusive. We wanted people to be like, yeah, I'm an anxiety sister. It's like, right. we wanted to normalize it because... You know, mental health issues are so rampant for everyone, for everyone. every culture. Yes. And we really want to reach out to everyone and say, you're not alone. Right. We're in this group. And guess what? It's cool to be an anxiety sister. It's where all the best people are. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We're not weird. We're just limited edition. <laughs> <laughs> Another great team. <laughs> I like that. See how great that is? So you founded a wonderful organization talking about all this called Real Girls Fart, which I love. <laughs> Well, um, when we first heard that, we just couldn't stop laughing. We thought that was so clever. Well, you guys are like, you guys actually get it. You know, I mean, you are probably some of the few. I, I get met with a lot of resistance. Like me, myself personally, Akia Red, yes. aka Keys, everyone. Yes. I'm okay. But like the real girl's fart, I get a lot of mixed, you know, emotions from people. But you know what I like? I like that you tell, you announce to the world with that title yeah. that you're going to talk the talk. Yes. You're, yes. you're going to be real. And it's that's like, true. It's like, I mean, real girls say the word fart. We also fart. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone who's living does, basically. Every, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but we are the group of people who have always been taught as women that certain things aren't appropriate. Right. Not to say certain things, not to do certain things. Right. And definitely don't do it out in the open. FART actually stands for something, Yeah, it's an right? acronym. So Fearless, Authentic, Rescuer, and Trailblazer. Okay, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. And can you tell us about your organization, like what the mission is, what you guys yeah. do? Yeah, for sure. So basically, I have a really, really strong connection to women empowerment just because I think that if we can like all band together as women we're pretty strong superheroes and I think we can like change the world. Abby said to me last night at dinner could you imagine how different the world would be if women were in charge Mm -hmm. like everywhere there wouldn't be so much war how the only way to save this planet is to put women is in to charge. Put women in charge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, this is going to sound crazy, but I've actually really been trying to figure out how can we work through this crisis that we're in in this yeah. world. I mean, mm -hmm. we're in a really bad place in we lots are. of ways, and and not just economically and socially, but also with the climate. I mean, there's so much, and so the only thing that comes to me is okay. So the men have had. They've been running things for a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm not I'm not saying anything bad. I mean, I love men. So Right, right, I'm right. Not, yeah. not, but you know what? They've had their chance. Yeah. They all need to take a rest mm -hmm. and let us take over. Just give us 10 years. Yeah. And if they don't if they're not happy with what happens in 10 years, then then we'll switch. Yeah. But I just think that women we think We're differently. The, yeah, so it's all about um, empowering women to first you know, find out who they are, mm -hmm. right? And that takes work. You all know that. You've been on the journey for mm -hmm. a while. I don't think we ever find out, to right. Michelle Obama's point, right? We're always right. becoming. Um, but I, I do think that we have to take a step back and say, okay, 
who am I? Well, first off, let's let's identify who I'm not, <laughs> you know, and, and then you kind of figure out once you've unlearned some things, mm-hmm. then you kind of figure well, out who you are and, you know, you grow into that. And then we help other people kind of grow into their most authentic selves. And so the acronym is basically my journey through this diagnosis. So from the time of the diagnosis to now and the even beyond. Diagnosis. Yeah, the anxiety diagnosis in 2016. I had to be fearless in pursuing treatment above all else, you know, not just for everybody else, but for myself, mm-hmm. you know, and being authentic, which is the second word. And then once we've kind of come into that and we've kind of sought out the treatment for ourselves and then, you know, we become authentic to who we truly are and living that out loud, unapologetically, we go back and we rescue other people in our village. That's right. And then together we become, yeah, we lift each other up and we blaze the trail. This is why she's our new BFF. Exactly. (laughs) Um, We have the same mission. Yes, we do. What does your organization do? Like what, uh, do you do conferences or workshops? Well, not yet. We're trying to to get there. We're we're slowly growing, you guys. Okay, wonderful. Um, We're on the move, but um, it started out as a blog. Okay. So I am still yeah. very much actively blogging um, right now. That's how we started as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We started as a, as a blog. Um, but then from there, we do do um, events like meetups. Mm-hmm. I like to say that not only are we virtual, you know, and online and have an active presence there, but for those of us who are local, I do do events from time to time where we come together and we talk about real stuff. That's awesome. Um, which goes along with the whole platform. And last summer we did an um, event series or summer talk series called Vulnerability. Oh, and really yeah. kind of taught, we did four sessions. And so um, just really creating or cultivating this culture, if you will, of women that lift each other up, support each other, also very vulnerable. And that does not mean that we are weak because we're vulnerable. And no, it means we're strong because we can talk about it. Yes. And then we kind of go out together and find ways that we can make an impact. That's great. She is so energetic, oh my too. Goodness. <laughs> um, Akia's latest project is a new book. Can yes, we talk about the book? Yes, we can definitely talk be about the free, book. Be Free, Be You. Yes. Coming soon. Coming yes. out June 18th. We have read it. We love it. It's a great book. I'm so happy. And it's a, it's a combination. It's kind of a memoir because there's a lot yeah. of stuff about your life in there. Yep. And you, mm-hmm. you, you're not afraid to go there. No, I'm, I'm not. vulnerable. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's also a guide, I think. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, it's a guide to really being your your own real self. Right. The authenticity piece. Yes. Yeah. The authentic, that was the best part of the book for me. It yeah. was the, the piece of it that really stressed how important it is to, you know, to sing your own song. I can admit this to you guys now. Um, and I think we talked about it when we were together at first that I started getting really nervous. Like once I realized that this book was actually a thing, because mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my gosh, like I really did go there. And trust me when I tell you, like, you guys have read it. And so, like, some of the things that I explained that I went through was like, oh, man, that must have been horrible for a child. But actually living through it was even worse because I didn't go into as deep of detail or as descriptive as I could have for the sake of the other people that were involved. So I really tried to find a way to be as transparent and as vulnerable as I absolutely could Because I'm of the mindset that, like, I have to earn the right to, like, guide other people. I really do subscribe to that belief. So the only one of the ways that I can earn that right is to show my trustworthiness and my, like, 
vulnerability to you by sharing my story first. Like, let me tell you, like, this is why I'm qualified to talk about this right. because I've lived through it. Yeah, well, all three of us believe very strongly in walking the walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we yeah. we are first and I mean, Maggie and I are first and foremost anxiety sufferers. Of course. You know, that's what that's how we came to the table with this is that Absolutely. We, we have lived that struggle. Mm-hmm. So, and you too have lived the struggle mm-hmm. that you seek to empower people to deal with in their daily lives. Yeah. One of the things I thought was very powerful about your book was, well, there are a bunch of things, but one of them was your discussion of faith, including how the religious community you grew up in really stigmatizes mental Mm -hmm. health, but also how much strength you have found um, in your faith in God. Yeah. It's very much helped you through a lot of your struggles, your faith. It it has. Um, So I will say that when I was at the beginning of this journey back in 2016, my faith was tested. Mm-hmm. I had to learn to separate religion and my father from who God is. Mm-hmm. That but, must have been really challenging because you grew up oh, as a daughter of a pastor and you were very involved in the church as well. Yeah. So since, since you did that from such a young age, it probably yeah. wasn't clear to you where the role was. Oh, there was no line. Right. They're so integrated. There was, right. Yeah, there was yeah. no line. And, you know, and, 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 I, and I grew up hearing things like, you know, well, your, your father's voice is the closest thing that you'll ever hear to God's voice. And so... Yeah. Whatever that intention was for me being taught that doesn't matter. It's just the fact that my head, it's its so like wrapped around that whole idea of that, like my father equals God, God equals my father. Mm-hmm. And then also in many religions, you know, and I don't know in the Christian faith, like God has this male presence. Yes. So he is like that father mm. presence. Yes. And so like... When you already have dad issues like I do, and then you have that relationship with God, who is also this male representation. Who's called father. Who's called father. (laughs) I had a very, very challenging time. And even I'm coming out of it now where I have actually learned and am continuing to learn how to separate the two, but it has not been easy. So, you know, I am not a religious person. Mm -hmm. I am a spiritual person. I am deeply rooted and grounded in my faith within God and my relationship to God. But like, I realize that God is different things to other people. Mm. And so I never, ever come across and say, you have to call him this. But it was really, it was very healing for you. Oh, 100%. I would not be, I don't think where I am today if I would not have been firmly grounded in that. Mm -hmm. You've talked a lot about your father in the book. Mm -hmm. You talk a lot about your father's struggle Mm -hmm. with mental health, Mm -hmm. where he was not diagnosed, and it wasn't really an acceptable thing in your community, and how that affected you. And I was wondering... Yeah, so, and I'll take the time, too, before I even jump into that, to say it's so important as a parent to have these open dialogues with your children about mental health. I think that whenever we get the opportunity, I don't care if they think you're crazy or not, but you know, just to check in with them, mm-hmm. to let them know that you, that you're a safe place to, for them to express concerns if they have them about themselves or their friends. But going into the question you asked me about my father, I never really saw it as an appropriate conversation to have. To be honest with you, people who had mental health concerns or challenges were the schizophrenics. Right. They were the personality disorders. They were the bipolar people even, which made me take longer going to get treatment ultimately because you're like, oh, well, what I have is just not, that's not as important. I'm not sick enough 
Right. Right. Or, you know, and I don't even know if we necessarily had a term for it. It was more so like your crazy aunt in -hmm. her room who Mm -hmm. hears voices and sees things. You know what I mean? And so when you have that, I mean, when you have that idea of it, when your father is sad a lot or cries a lot or is very antisocial and introverted and kind of makes everyone else very on edge and sad it just is a way of life. Like you don't even think of it as like there's something going on in his brain. Like, I mean, I've heard different terms being thrown around in my home growing up um, in relationship to maybe what my father was going through, but there was never an acceptance of any of those diagnoses. There was never any treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not go to therapy until I was probably 34. And if you grow up in a home where, you know, whether they are growing up in an emotionally abusive home or they're growing up in a, in a home where someone has some kind of mental illness, it, it's your norm. It's right. your normal. Right. Like, right. this is what home is. This is what this is what home is. And, um, and, and that actually can prolong people, I think, from even seeking help yes. and realizing they have an issue. Exactly. I didn't know how to articulate that whole point I made about being sick enough Mm. until recently, you know, starting my own like body work and eating disorder stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like we hear that term a lot of times in the eating disorder space where unless you're that clinical picture of a skin and bones type of person, you're not sick enough to have an eating disorder. I can relate that to growing up in my home. You're depressed. Basically, it's you're sad. It does make it harder when you've grown up in a house where there have been a lot of mental health issues because you don't have that baseline. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to say that one of my favorite parts of the book was the term you used, struggle forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you talk about that, struggling forward? Because that really resonated for me. I've been saying it in my mind a lot. Yeah. She has so many good terms. But yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, first of all, we're aware that something's not right. Like we, when I say not right, I mean, we cannot continue to live like this. And then we decide that, okay, I'm going to need treatment for that. And I'm going to need lifestyle changes for that. Those lifestyle changes and getting that treatment is hard. So I feel like those lifestyle changes and then deciding to get treatment is a way of like, we struggle forward. Every time, like, you know, you think like, oh, I'm okay. There's something else that's revealed that you need to work through. So it's just like, you know, this but, is a struggle. But by saying, the, by putting the words struggle and forward yeah. together, which are not words that people right. would normally put together. Right. What you do is you normalize struggle. Yeah, 100%. And you, and you, and you take away the, the negative connotations that struggle always has. And that's something yeah. Maggie and I work with people on too, is... is Accepting that struggle is part of being human. Yeah, you got to feel the feels. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. when people hear the word struggle, they immediately start to think, "Oh, that's something bad." Yeah. But I like how you put forward after it because yeah. that really clarifies. Yeah, it's going to be rough, but I'm going to be moving forward, and yeah. this is what I'm supposed to be doing, which is very empowering. So not only are you a pastor's daughter, yes, but you are an NBA celebrity's wife. Yes, yes. Has it been difficult to play so many public roles? 
while you're while you're struggling forward. Capital capital Y capital E capital S <laughs> exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point. And we didn't even mention also that she's a mother of two kids, which is a hard job. Yes, itself, yes, like, that have their own challenges, right? Sure. We've talked through that All before. All of our children do. Yes, yes they are twice exceptional. Do. Okay, yes. my kids. So you <laughs> All know, of our kids are too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. You know, there are kids, there are people in, in <laughs> this day and age. Little us's is what I call yeah, them, you yeah. know, that grow up to big people. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, you know, they have mental health challenges too. And so we're all about educating parents. Saying, yes. You know, Having those conversations with those kids, right? But you've also talked about how difficult it was for you in, in situations where, you know, you're an NBA player's wife mm-hmm. and expected to mm-hmm. look perfect, yeah. act perfect, be perfect. And I, there's a hierarchy, apparently, right? Oh, there is a hierarchy. I there's, found that so interesting. I was, yeah. One of the first chapters in the book, well, it's very in the beginning yeah, of the book, yeah. talks a lot about sort of when you were dating your husband and you had yeah. to enter that scene and mm-hmm. how even though you, you were smiling and looking the part, the inside you felt like you were so out of place. I felt and, like a circle trying to fit into a square and I felt very much like I was in middle school again. Yes. You know how like you go to middle yes. school and God forbid you're at a new school. So let's just say you moved away, you went to a new school, right. you're in middle school and you go to sit at lunch. Lunch the lunch room yes. was the absolute uh, lunch room had a hierarchy of like so, and I yeah. was on the bottom. Well, okay, I I was too. And so in my head that arena was a big lunch room. Wow. I sort of felt like that about when my kids were little, particularly like preschool was a little oh, bit like that too. Yeah, at the times. other moms. The There's a lot of hierarchy in parenting, yeah. I think. Yeah. I yes, yes. Especially yes. you have those judgy moms. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, your child is still having a pacifier. Or yeah, you're feeding your child that or... Yeah. yeah. But you really found that with the MBA yes. crowd. First of all, it's all about status. You know, obviously there are no off days. You know, you don't come to the game like everybody else in a t-shirt and jeans. You are dressed to the nines. So you are four inch or above heels. The oh latest, gosh. the latest of everything. Like, Aren't you happy that we didn't yeah, marry we NBA so players? You know? <laughs> I, I mean, I just remember like even being pregnant with my first child. I didn't miss like no games like at all. Like oh I went God. to every home game. Oh my God. And I mean, so having to try to fit yes. my swollen legs. <laughs> you were legs. still wearing those four inch heels when you were pregnant. Not right? four inch. Okay. I probably went down about an inch. Oh my wow. God. But I was still wearing heels and still, and I, you know, my son was eight pounds, 12 ounces. Wow. So I mean, right. he was. They can't, the listeners can't see me, but right now I'm. Doing that. <laughs> yeah, you're prostrating yourself. Dinner. I'm now genuflecting in front of you. <laughs> you know, and it, it, that would have. I would never. Six pounds, thirteen ounces, and that felt like oh my god. Right. So you could just imagine, and I did, by the way, have him naturally, not wanting to. Oh boy. I mean, I'd had a very bad reaction with the epidural, so they had to pull my meds. Maggie's whispering that she did. I did too. I had. (laughs) Yeah. Oh boy. So I'm just saying, like, so you're so you're in your stilettos, basically. You're wearing maternity jeans. You're wearing your latest and greatest stuff. You probably could never wear the same outfit twice. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, no, no thing twice. And at the same time, you have anxiety and depression that you're battling. That I did not know because babies, we all know the hormones they make it worse. Oh man. Yeah. Mm. So it was rough. Wow. It was a rough go. And um, 
I, I definitely think that me not being diagnosed at that time, I definitely think that it was my faith and my husband that kind of kept me grounded because my husband didn't know about the a diagnosis either, but he's just always been the type where he's just like, you know, never put any pressure on me mm-hmm. to be like any of them, you know, which was refreshing. He's a really good guy. He's a good he's also guy. He's really, really hot. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. See, honey, honey, I'm not the only one that thinks you're hot. No, honey, we think you're hot too. <laughs> These old anxiety systems. I know. Exactly. So I guess if you ever get tired of me, you know. No, we're like <laughs> we're like the age of his mother. That's I know. Right. I know. We're like um, her husband, by the way, because everyone wants to Google this is Michael. Michael Red. Michael yeah. Red. Michael yeah. Red. So. Yeah, so that everyone else can see how hot he is. Oh, get line, he really people, is. Get he is. He's a, you know what, and he's equally as hot in as he is out I promise like he's the most grounding person and consistent person in my life and he's honestly. been there for you through these mental health struggles he has so supportive of your community yes developed yes speaking yes you do. yes has everything been peaches and cream absolutely not because really? our marriages have been all peaches <laughs> and cream <laughs> yeah, our, husbands we, are, our husbands are real hotties too <laughs> been so easy all the oh, time. All I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it has. We've never had a problem. No. no. Well, I mean, five years, not a struggle. I yeah. mean, in these, so we will be going on. Uh, okay, so now I'm prostrating to you at this point. <laughs> You're gonna get there. Girl. We have been married now. It'll be almost um, 13 years, and he has been genuinely my rock. I mean, I have, because when I got the diagnosis up until now, I have gone through so many changes, just finding out who I am, you know, switching from one medicine to another medicine, kind of, you know, finding my way. And he has just been so supportive through it all. And even though he's probably been scared to death (laughs) with some of the choices and things, but um, he has, he's been great. That's, that's very lucky. I love, you, you. You're both, you're both I love you, Michael. You're both I love you, Michael, too. <laughs> I love you, Michael, three. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, you're both lucky because uh, I think you. in this world, it's really hard to find a real girl. It is. It is. And he's lucky to have one. He oh, is. thank he you. Is well, you guys are real you. girls, and your husbands are lucky to have you, they too. Are. You're bad guys. They are, are lucky. To have lucky. <laughs> My husband's driving off the road right now laughing. <laughs> like, do you, really? Really? I'm lucky? He's like, that's what I call myself, lucky. <laughs> so we just want to thank you so much so for thank you. being here with thank us. Thank you for, for having me. so honestly with our listeners, although you don't do it any other way. So Yeah, no, I love your platform, what you guys have done. Thank you for having me. Thank you for endorsing my book. Oh, yeah, we it's loved it. It's a legitimately great read. It's called Be Free, Be You by Akia Red. It is coming out June 18th. You can pre-order it now yep. anywhere you can get a book. Yep. Um, it's a really nice book to have in hard mm-hmm. copy because it's yeah, pretty. It's pretty. It's really pretty. Pretty we, in pink. We got a sneak pre- uh, preview of it, and it's really pretty. Yep. Uh, to learn more about Akia and her work, you can visit her website at realgirlsfart.com. And you should go to that website because it's also really pretty, and there's really great stuff on there, <laughs> great blogs, um, really good information out yeah, there. Thank um, you. Real, real world help for real girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's on the usual social media channels. She's on Instagram at, at Real Girls Fart and also on Facebook, Real Girls Fart. Yes. Real Girls Fart on yeah. Facebook too. Yeah. 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 Everything's yeah. I thought, pretty okay. consistent. Well, yeah. Easy. Think about it. Who else is going to say Real Exactly. Girls? <laughs> I'm sure that you got that domain. Exactly. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> 
So thank you, and we will talk to you soon. Absolutely. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, Anxiety, Anxiety Sisters, don't, don't go it alone. You've been listening to The Spin Cycle, an Anxiety Sisters production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.